Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. So good. Hey, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Number one, to stand up to your feet. Let's stand up, everybody. Whether you've met Jesus here or anywhere before you even attended Highlight Church, I just want you to give Christ your best hand clap of praise. If he's changed your life, if you've been baptized here, if you found true life here, if you found community here, Jesus deserves our praise. Praise God. Yeah. All right. You can sit down now. I know we're still warming up to it. You know, my wife said, hey, why don't we put on some party music and let everyone jump around? I'm like, you may be the only one jumping. (laughs) So let's just do a 30-second hand clap. Hey, man, welcome to year two of Highlight Church. Um, Thank you so much for being here. I want you to take those cards that that was on your seat before you came in. Uh, They're uh, HL Year One Review. And um, please take those home. Be encouraged. If you don't, uh, ask someone to pass you one um, next to them. Uh, You know, we have our salvations there. The number of people who have been saved, uh, baptized, uh, the number of uh, volunteers here. Uh, We have our annual income uh, from year one. And uh, as you can see in the video, uh, God graced us and and gave us the privilege to give away more than 10% to our local outreach partners uh, we actually hit 12%, I think it says there. And, um, you know, uh, the more people, the more resource, uh, the more we can impact this city. Um, we, serve, we serve a God who came, and he did not live for himself. Uh, he lived for others. He gave his life for others. I love John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so we believe that as a church, um, we're called to give. We're called to give our time and our resource and uh, share this good news that, that changes lives. So thank you all for joining us here today. Um, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful service. Um, yeah, so we're in a series called The Highly Unlikely. I didn't want to make today all about like our story from when we moved from Florida, New York, and Dakota, and we converged here. You're going to hear a lot of that. But I didn't just want to hang on that. I believe that we have a job to honor the word of God this morning. And uh, we're going to stay with our series. Is that okay? That's okay? All right. All right. We are in the, the second week of the series entitled The Highly Unlikely. And uh, most of us feel unqualified to do great things. But when you read scripture, you find a host of um, unlikely people who God called uh, and and raised up to do amazing things. And so today I want to bring a message to you entitled, Could It Be? Could it be? Could it be? We are a note-taking church, so whether you came for today's baptism or just to check us out, please don't leave here without taking a note. Um, you can always go back in the week and, and revisit your notes. And man, that applies to my life. Let me, let me believe that by faith and step out in it. And so um, I, I want to, today we're going to talk about Peter and John. These were 
disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus has since uh, been crucified, uh, laid in the grave for three days, and, and, and rose from, from the dead by God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he spent 40 days on the earth um, after he passed away. Then uh, he was taken up into heaven uh, by angels. And so, um, he, but before he leaves, he gives his disciples what we call the Great Commission. He says, go and share the news about me across the entire world. And uh, he says, uh, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, so we see here where we're going to read in the book of Acts, uh, where the disciples, they become apostles. The word disciple means student. The word apostle means sent ones. And so they go from following Jesus for three years and then understanding that, man, going to church isn't just about me. It's actually about the people out in the world that need to hear about who Jesus is. And so uh, the, the book of Acts is the acts of the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's an, inst an instance here in the book of Acts chapter 4, we're not going to go there yet, where Peter and John, they're going to a prayer service at 3 p.m. And they're heading to the temple for prayer. And uh, at the city gate, there's a crippled man, and he's begging for money. This is interesting because spiritually, this, this crippled man represents all of us in here. There are certain areas in our lives where we are all crippled spiritually. And so he, but we, we often ask for the wrong things. And so he's, he's sitting there and he's asking everyone for money. Do you have money? Do you have money? And Peter and John walk up and they look at him and Peter says, money we do not have. But what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the Bible says that the man gets up for the first time in, in forever and he walks, and he leaps, and he dances into the temple, and, and all the people see him, and they're like, oh my God, is that the dude that we give money? Is that the dude that we, we give food just about every week when we come to church? And yeah, yeah, it's him, and he's leaping around, and he's dancing because God has done such amazing things in his life. And um, Peter takes the opportunity to share the good news about Jesus Christ with the crowd. Because at this point, there are a lot of Jews who are still uh, um, hanging or believing in the law versus believing in grace. There are 612 laws in your Old Testament Bible. But Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He did all the work. And you don't have to do works to be saved. You just believe Jesus and you are right with God. You, you're made right with God through, through faith. God, Jesus did all the works. And so he leaps and he dances and... Peter begins to share about the life of Jesus, about his miracles, his healing power, um, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the Bible says that the church in this moment went from 3,000 people to 5,000 men, not including women and children. And so Peter's preaching, but he is confronted by a familiar foe. Religious people. He is confronted by church people, temple officials, the priest, those that during the time of Jesus, they ran the temple, and it was mostly for money. It was mostly for accolades. It was mostly for attention. And they were flexing their muscle and everything that they knew about the Old Testament Bible. 
that the common man did not know. The very people that Jesus came for was the common man. The very people that put Jesus on the cross were the religious people in his day. And so, and Jesus said, if they wanted to kill me, they shall want to kill you as well. And so Peter and John, here we go. The familiar foes pop up and they confront them. And we're going to pick it up here in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. Wow. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of believers now total about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. If you go back a few chapters to Acts 2, Peter preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 men are saved. And that's, that was the birth of the church. Peter's back at it again, and we see here 5,000 men are saved. What I want to do is I want to bring to you uh, three points of encouragement about being highly unlikely, feeling unqualified. But I believe that every person in this room, God has called you to do phenomenal, great things that can only explain at the end of your life that God did that through her and God did that through him. That was not of them. That was only of God. And so I want to bring uh, three things to you. Could it be that the struggle is worth it? Could it be that the struggle is worth it? I remember before moving up here, um, we, Kyra and I and Chris, uh, we, we prayed so hard. Chris is our creative director. Give it up for Chris. He stayed up to the wee hours of the night. Um, and God is building a phenomenal team. Angelique is there in the back snapping the camera. <laughs> I hope you're not an introvert because if you ever get involved at Highlight Church, we're going to embarrass you. And uh, we have Emma, who's also going to be a part of the creative team soon. <laughs> but anyway, once upon a time, it was just me, Kyra, and Chris. None of this. And so um, we were praying, and, and the Lord brought six other adults to our team. And it was about uh, two or three weeks before we were getting ready to move to Maryland as a team. And uh, Kyra gets a phone call from um, Chrysia Tran. She is our HL Kids director. And um, her father had just had a, a sudden uh, heart attack. Am I right? Yeah, sudden heart attack, cardiac failure. And so we, we get dressed. We rush to the hospital, to Sanford, Florida. And um, he's in the bed, and it just doesn't look too good. I mean, you know, for months, almost a year, we had been praying and preparing, and we're, we're super excited, and we visited Maryland as a team and all this, and we're just ready to move. We can't wait to get in our cars and our Penske trucks and our U-Hauls and move 900 miles away from Florida. And, and about two weeks prior to that, Chrysia's father has a heart attack. And uh, so we rush to the hospital, and, and uh, we, we pray, and, and we hug, and we talk, and we cry. And we pray in the name of Jesus, get up, be healed, get up. We pray and we hug and we talk and we cry. 
And uh, Manny never did get up from that bed. He passed away. He was an amazing man. As a matter of fact, he, uh, at, at our previous church, he would come to church, and you, you, you got to see his face. He was an amazing man. And this is when I didn't know Chow all that much, but Manny had so much respect and honor. He would come to church and say, Pasta, nice to see ya, Pasta. And it was amazing, but Chow would be like, what up, man? That's when Chow was rotten, praise God. Thank God for Jesus, for him. Um, and so <clears throat> he passed away. Not only that, Krizia's mother was going through some things as well. And so as a team, we were concerned about them moving. I'll say about three or four days later, after he passed away, even during his, his funeral, they had already made a decision that come hell or high water, that nothing was going to stop them from moving to the place that God had called them to because there were people in this area that needed to know who Jesus was. And so now today, Krizia leads a team uh, of eight or nine people. Every Sunday, 30 to 40 of your kids go to HL Kids. They're learning about Jesus. They're learning about the love of God. And that's led by Krizia Chan. And she is changing lives every single Sunday. And, and she chose to not allow that to hold her back, to not allow the struggle to hold her back from what God was calling her to. And not just that, Chow, make sure everyone that walks through that front door on a Sunday, please fill out your connection cards. He makes sure that everyone gets a phone call, an email, or a text just to see how you're doing, just to see if you're plugged into a community that's going to love you, encourage you, empower you, and push you forward into everything that God has for you. And they went through the struggle. They went through the trouble to make sure that you were going to be okay. I mean, I know I'm not, I know it's not preachy, but the lives that have been changed here, you can't, you got to be stoked about that. You got to be excited about it. And so what we see here is we see um, that John and Peter are in prison and they've done nothing wrong. They've told people about Jesus Christ. They shared the good news about who God was and they end up in a prison. If you're going to do anything significant in life, you have to determine now that the struggle is worth it. If you're going to do anything for the glory of God, not your glory, not your life, but for Jesus, for God, for the calling he has on your life, you have to understand that you're going to lose friends, They're going to be partying. You're going to be at home reading your Bible. God's going to be putting vision into your heart. God's going to be depositing faith into your heart. He's going to be setting you free from the same things that they struggle with because you've chosen to turn. But it's going to be a struggle, and you're going to have to understand that the struggle is, in fact, worth it. It's worth it. So Peter and John are in prison for Christ. And it's all because we have the promise of eternal life. And God has given us the purpose of sharing this good news. So what is prison? What is a struggle? When, when one day we pass away and I can't take this or this, none of this goes on to heaven with us. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearst. 
And when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do with the good news? What did you do with the purpose I gave you? And he's either going to say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And I know that when I stand before him, I'm not going to say, hey, I made $10 million, $10 billion in my life. I raised a great family. No, 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 no. I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, I loved you. I sacrificed for you. I hurt for you. It was painful, but guess what? I got about 10,000 people coming to heaven with me. And so the cause of Christ is worth it in your life. The struggle is worth it in your life. Let's go to Acts 4, 5 through 12, and it says this. It says, the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. I mean, they brought everybody. He said this, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? We can't do this. We run the church. Who are these guys? How, what's going on here? And he says this, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people. I love that. He says this, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So they had just previously, a few months ago, had just killed Jesus. And so he's talking to the very foes that killed Jesus. I love this. This is real time. You know, a lot of people say the Bible is boring. I say, no, you're boring. You need to get into this thing. And so here it is. It's better than a soap opera. (laughs) For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's now become the foundation of your life, if you allow him to be. And he says this here, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so point number two is this, what we've come to find out over the past year. Could it be that Jesus heals? Jesus heals. Jesus heals. I remember before we moved, I don't have the picture today, but uh, that, that same group before we moved here, we met and my mo- give it up for my mother-in-law and my grandmother-in-law. <laughs> Two beautiful and phenomenal. Had it not been for my mom, my wife wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here. Whatever. And so um, we, we met in, in your living room, Mama, and we had the round table and it was about five of us. Becca was on the computer because she was in North Dakota. I'll tell you about that in a second. And Megan was in New York. I don't know if Megan's in here. She's our administrator. She's phenomenal. And um, there was one particular 2HQ. We call it Highlight Headquarters. Uh, One day when we get a permanent building, that's what it's going to be called. Come on, we're not going to be portable all of our lives. Look at this pipe and drape. We get some faith. And so what we did was we, I took sticky notes and I wrote down the names of the people 
in 2015 who had liked all of our social media content. And we took those sticky notes and we bought out this whiteboard and we stuck all those names on the whiteboard and, and we prayed over those names. People that we didn't know. People that have probably never stepped foot in our church yet. But we were praying for the names of the people. And Lord, we ask that you would heal their families and bless them in their finances and break addictions and heal marriages and all this good stuff. And we ended every prayer with, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, we know that God can do anything, right? God can heal anybody. God can, God can, God can part the Red Sea. God can do anything in our lives. But what about Jesus Christ? What does Jesus have to do with God? Many would say he was the son of God. I think most of us in here would agree with that. But Jesus was more than just the son of God. When he walked the earth, we understand that Jesus was God. Based upon the scripture, 2 Corinthians um, um, 5.19, and it says this. It says that, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not that he was just the son, but God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, I need us to understand this. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve took the, the, the bite of the fruit, of the, of the forbidden fruit, of the, of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, we fell into sin on that day. Before that sin, we were in perfect fellowship with God. There's nothing that separated you from God. As a matter of fact, the first 400 years of man's existence, we never had to call on the name of the Lord because he walked with us in the cool of the day in the garden. But when we sinned, it was in that moment that we became separated from all that God had for us. And that's what you call missing the mark. So there are two forms of death. I got to teach this. This isn't in my notes. Two forms of death. One form is physical death. That's when you pass away. Physical death is when your soul becomes separate from your physical body. Spiritual death is when you die and you end up in hell apart from the saving grace and love of Jesus Christ because you never profess faith in him. And so, so this, the second spiritual death is, is the word death means separation. The spiritual death, you being in hell, is being separated from God for all eternity the life source. Now, hell isn't it, because if you read the book of Revelations, at the final judgment, hell is going to be raised, because hell means uh, death. Hell is going to be raised, or the place of spirits. Hell is going to be raised from the grave and tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone. And so the lake of fire and brimstone, Revelations tells us, was never created for, for, for humans. God sends nobody to hell. Nobody. So people say, hey, well, is God a God of love? He sure is. He came on this earth. He lived a perfect life. He lived according to the law. He healed people. He blessed people. He taught people. He spent time with people. He sure is a God of love. But it's our choice when we don't accept Christ. We accept our destiny as hell. And so, and so, and so this is the deal. So Satan tempts us. This is good. This is good. So Satan tempts us in the garden. And God says, you know what? I'm going to send Noah. Noah couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. Elijah couldn't do it. Elisha couldn't do it. You know what? I think I'm going to have to come down there and do it. <laughs> Put up the verse for me, please. Put up the verse. Put up the verse. That second Corinthians verse. I think I'm going to have to come down there and do it. And I'm going to do it in the most humble way. So you have the God of the universe 
conceived in a, in a teenage girl, born in a pigsty. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in, in Potomac. He wasn't born in D.C. He wasn't born in the White House. He was born in a trove where pigs eat. And he ran to Egypt. If you understand the Old Testament, the children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years. The word Egypt means sin. So because King Herod was trying to kill baby Jesus, Joseph and Mary ran to Egypt to fulfill the Old Testament, ran to Egypt, which means sin, for two years and came back to Nazareth. To show that through the power and the grace and the love of God and your faith that you can be saved from sin and, and right back up in the promised land, the promise that God has always had for your life. Oh, come on now. We're not. For God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. You have to understand something about these priests. There, there were certain people that you couldn't come into a certain distance of a priest because you were a certain prostitute. No. You, you've had an abortion. No. You have leprosy or AIDS or, or a sexual or STD. No. You need to go and cleanse yourself. You need to go and put on your church clothes. You need to go and read this and recite this and, and go through this class and go through this person. And, and you can now you can get right. You got to do all these works. Jesus comes. Woman was caught in adultery. The old, the old men, the old priests brought them, brought her to Jesus. The law says that we should stone her. She was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus like, okay. Anyone who is without sin shall cast the first stone. Jesus was the standard. And so you start to, and, and so he gets down. The word grace in the Hebrew means to bend down. The word grace in the Greek is charis. It means unmerited favor. So he bent down without her having to pay for him to bend down. He got knee level, ground level, and he began to write in the dust. We don't know. Scholars speculate that he was writing all the sins of everyone. And so what you see is you see the oldest priests begin to drop their stones first all the way down to the youngest, and they leave. And so the girl looks up. I mean, she's probably no clothes, shame. That's what sin does. It causes shame in your life. If not, you need some deliverance because sin ain't that fun. Sin is not that good. And so it causes shame in your life. And so he says, where are your accusers? She looks around. They're gone. He says, well, neither do I condemn you. And, and so the pre, one of the things that the, one of the issues that the priest had with Jesus was how can you forgive sins? Only God can do that. Because he was God. And he gets up 
And he says, okay, neither do I. God doesn't, God is not condemning you. Can I let you, God is not getting you for your past. God is not punishing you. God is not out to get you. God is out to love you. God is out to bless you. God is out to set you free. God wants nothing from you. You can't give God nothing but your faith. He wants to give you everything. And so he says, get up and sin no more. Now, a lot of people get messed up with that. He says, get up and sin no more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I'm going to sin. I'm not perfect. No, he was saying, get up. This is sin because the word sin means to miss the mark. That's God. He was saying, get up and turn from your life of sin to walking in a loving relationship with me. Not according to a rule book but in a walking, loving, growing relationship with me. And so Jesus heals. And as a church, we're always going to pray in the name of Jesus. And he says this. I want to share a few testimonies here. And got me off my rocker, man. These notes be holding me back sometime. I wasn't even prepared this morning. So sometimes you just got to go with it. So here it is. I want to share a few testimonies of a few people who have been touched by HL. Um, this young lady says, just listen in for us here. Accepting Jesus was a private moment of acknowledging that I am incapable of being everything for myself. I must rely on the strength and compassion of God in order to live a full and satisfying life. The moment that I realized my incapability, I then had room in my heart to exalt Jesus to the level of honor he truly deserves. Honoring Jesus gave me what my soul had been thirsting for all along, his unobstructed presence. Finding HL, Highlight Church, was the perfect blessing at the perfect time. He says this, I had just moved back to Maryland, and I was unsure whether God would build a community that was full of life as my previous one. Needless to say, I was skeptical. It's okay. I get it. We're a little weird. I was skeptical. He said this, uh, I was skeptical, and it says this, But God outdid my expectations of a church home. HL gave me the opportunity that I didn't know that I would need for a tough season ahead. Having brothers and sisters supporting me during my difficult season was what got me through. HL helped me to praise him in the midst of a storm as I walked with Jesus through both good and bad. Second testimony, this is from a gentleman. says here, the last three years I was lost and broken not just in my life, but also in my marriage, as a son, a father, and also in my faith. I felt as if I wasn't being and becoming the role model, and most importantly, no longer growing as an individual. In April 2016, I was fortunate enough to be touched by the hand of God and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But I knew there was more in store for me and my family. It wasn't until a close friend of ours, I I trusted that's how people are going to get here, not, not through some social media feed, but through your invite. And we thank God for all of our first-time guests. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. And he said, from a friend I trusted invited us to HL. From uh, when my family and I pulled up to the parking lot and saw the excitement, the smiles, and the warm hugs and donuts, this brother's tripping. I looked over and told my wife, I think we found our home. I haven't even preached yet. He's like, I think this is the spot. The donut tower is it. (laughs) 
In week one of Pastor Josh's I Promise series, we learned about the promises God had made to mankind. The first key to activate those promises is to believe, and belief leads to blessings. When I accepted and believed Jesus, I realized that this was my time, and everything in my life started to become full circle. It says this, my vision was clear, my relationship with my wife grew, our children started to believe, and I knew we were growing as a unit and a family. And this is the last testimony, and then we're going to proceed with the rest of our message. Well before HL, I was brought up in the Catholic faith. Nothing wrong with the Catholic faith. Don't get, uh, you know, upset right now, but this is this person's testimony. I was invited by a friend. I almost said the name. I was invited, invited by a friend to HL and experienced the happiness and love for Jesus she was experiencing. I denied her invitation a few times due to prior engagements and also my disinterest in going to church. I had personally lost faith in God through many hardships, and I endured that I had endured over the past few years. When I finally came through the doors of HL, um, I was open to listen and, and uh, to take in what Sunday sermon was, but reserved to be open to people around me. As I listened to the sermon, something clicked. What the pastor was saying was just for me. How is it that I come to a Sunday service that speaks to me? So I came back the next week. As I am listening to that sermon, um, my heart dropped for a moment when I thought about my husband. Thinking uh, to myself, this is for him. I wish he could hear this. And as I am service, I am praying to God that my husband would come with me. And when he does, I would give my life to him that Sunday that my husband came. That Sunday, a service was coming to an end. Pastor, I'm sorry, I skipped. A week or two go by, and I asked him if he would join me. He finally said yes. I was jumping for joy. That Sunday, a service was coming to an end, and Pastor had um, everyone bow their head and raise their hands if, uh, if they want to give their life to Jesus. At that moment, I raised my hand so quick. I was just reaching out for him. After service, I found out that my husband raised his hand at the very same moment. Come on. It says here, we both gave our lives to Jesus that day, and our lives together have grown so much from having a broken marriage to being given a fresh start in love. I love growing with my husband in Jesus Christ, and seeing our lives change has been such an amazing thing. The reason why we prayed in Jesus' name is because Buddha can't do it. Muhammad can't do it. New age can't do it. Your fitness goals can't do it. Your money can't do it. The only thing that can do it is Jesus Christ. The only thing that can do it is Jesus Christ. Put that verse back up for me. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus heals addictions, he heals pain, he heals your past, and it's all in a moment of faith that he does it. We will continue to pray and we will continue to move forward in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 1.19 says this, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one who Silas and Timothy and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, 
He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory. Everything that God has for you is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. So Acts 4 verse 13 says this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scripture. They also recognized, you got I need you to circle, underline, highlight this. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. We've come to find out that over this first year, we continue to ask ourselves, could it be that extraordinary things are done through ordinary people? Could it be that Jesus does extraordinary things through ordinary people? Through ordinary people. Only Jesus. You know, Jesus often dwelt with ordinary people. He dwelt with the drunkards and and tax collectors. These guys were corrupt people. Uh, he, he, He dwelt with fornicators and adulterers. So the people he dwelt with, fishermen and prostitutes. And as a matter of fact, these are the very people who have authored your scripture that you read. The Bible's the word of God. Well, do you know that Moses was a murderer and he authored it? Genesis to Deuteronomy, the first five books of your scripture, a murderer. Paul himself, who just quoted 2 Corinthians, the great apostle Paul, says, for God was in Christ. Do you know that Christ met Paul on a road to go and arrest and murder Christians? Ordinary people is who God dwells with. David was an adulterer, but he was uh, Israel's greatest king. Peter was a fisherman and a liar. And so we're going to close this thing out here soon. You guys okay out there? All right, so like I said uh, at the beginning of this thing, I got five minutes, so y'all hang tight. At the beginning of Highlight Church uh, last year, it was my wife, Chris, and I, and um, I was stuck wondering, was, was this thing going to actually happen? And it did. Um, there's a young, young lady, uh, Becca Minatra, she's our leadership development coordinator. Let's give her a hand clap. And... Um, I think it was late summer of 2015, she recognized an Instagram post that we put up, and she reached out to Chris, and Chris had her reach out to Kyra and I, and it led to a Google Hangout for like two and a half hours, and Kyra, we were trying to understand, man, so she's from Arizona, do I got that right? Arizona, she's lived in Alaska, she's in North Dakota, and she discovers us on Instagram now we're on FaceTime for two and a half hours, and she's considering moving with strangers. What in the world is going on? God has to be in this thing. And so it was a phenomenal uh, talk. And so a few months later, she comes to visit us in Orlando, Florida, um, November 2015. I was working an overnight shift, so I didn't see her when she first got here. I saw her that next morning. And uh, so I just I get home uh, early that morning. I'm like, Kyra, is there a stranger in our house? 
She's like, yeah, she's in, in, in the boys' room. So I go and I peep at her. She was laying down. I'm like, she looks weird. <laughs> you went to sleep last night? <laughs> and so um, I went to sleep, got up a little bit past noon, and she was sitting there as sweet and as awesome as can be. And uh, that next day, we were about to go out. I was laying down on a beanie bag, and I think she was talking to Chow, and something just hit my heart. She was talking, she was amazing. Something hit my heart, I said, you know, and it was like, if Becca moves with us, we're going to make it as a church. And it wasn't as much about how amazing she is, because God is so real on the inside of her. But it was just a point of realization that if three people can agree on touching a city and reaching a region in the nation, and if at that point five people, then six, then seven, then eight, and then nine, Jesus says that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And I will do anything that they ask. The reason why a lot of you aren't getting a lot of blessings is because you're not in agreement with people of faith in your life. And so God, what he has done in less than a year, because tomorrow is a year, today is still 364 days. What God has done in less than a year has been phenomenal, but he's done it through normal people. Two nurses, two hospital secretaries, um, one pharmacy tech, one nail spa tech, an insurance associate, and a girl who doesn't know how to settle in any state, anywhere. She just moves from everywhere. And a waiter. Acts 4 just said that they were untrained in the scripture. But the priest could not deny. Oh, y'all missing this word. And I hope you're getting it for you. But the priest could not deny, this is the kicker, that they had been with Jesus. That they had been. As long as you are with Jesus, there is nothing that you can't do. There is nothing that you can't accomplish. There is nothing that you can't overcome. There is nothing. <laughs> as long as you're with Jesus, Jesus can take an ordinary person with big faith, big trust, and big vision, and he can empower them to do extraordinary things in your family, in your industry, in your neighborhood, in your city. There's nothing that you can't do when you're with Jesus. And that's what we've been for a year. And yes, God has added on so many phenomenal superheroes. There was a day where it was just Sam, Lance, Kyra, and Becca. Four out of the five that moved here. Now you see Jason killing it in mercy. And come on, give it up for Annie today. There's nothing that you can't do in Christ. He doesn't care about your past. He has a lot in store for your future. And so 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7 says this. I love it. Paul says, you see 
we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light and darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to see the glory of God? Walk with Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. That's what it's been about. So year one, the 54 salvations, the 20-something baptisms, the lot that the families changed, and we've, we've heard depression has lifted up off of people, and the alcohol bottle has been thrown into the garbage can, and this person has come back home, and these little kids are now at home singing about the goodness of Jesus in their lives. And not only that, I'm starting to hear about the dreams that people are dreaming for their businesses and in their community. And, and God is beginning to say, hey, pastor, you know, in people's hearts, I think I want to found this nonprofit organization that's going to minister to, to abuse children and, and, and hungry people and all this stuff. God can take ordinary you and do extraordinary things. Let's give Jesus Christ a hand clap. And let's bow our heads. This is your time. This is your time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And after my prayer, if that be you, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray first. We normally do it the other way around. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Lord, thank you for coming to this earth and dying for our sins. Thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your delivering power. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. But based upon your good news, I know that you are a God of love. So I repent today of my sin and I give my heart to you. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk forward in a relationship with you. Help me to move forward in your glory and your will for my life. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God who provides. You are the Lord God who heals and you are the Lord God who saves. And this morning I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen.